Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today we are talking about to pull from Enterprise. This is the fifth episode of our first officer series. Fifth? Sixth? Wait. Fifth. Okay. I don't even remember the order of the series, to be honest. Why do you Even know? though they always stay the same. <laughs> I just know that Enterprise is always five. Like, I forget oh, yeah, what right. number everything else, but I'm like, okay, Enterprise is kind of the weird one. Like, the, yeah. the weird 2000s one that stands out. So it's easy for me to lump all the first four kind of together, or at least the, the, you know, middle two. Yeah, it's the island where there was only Enterprise. <laughs> wait, I'm crazy. I'm, I'm like, wrong. Remote island. No, it's, wait, TOS, TNG, DS9, Voyager. Yeah, you're right. It is five. Good job. I always think Voyager's five. I don't know why. Huh. Anyway, I guess technically it is because of TAS, but that's splitting hairs. Yes. So, here we are. We were like, okay, we're done with that. So we're kind of splitting hairs. Let's keep, let's keep going. <laughs> oh, I just want to throw out there that we have been, like, especially for the first Officer series, really, like, hyping up. And, like, Rihanna and I get so amped for the recordings. Like, she was cosplaying Kira for the Kira episode. When we always have, like, action figures or merchandise or something that we can, like, take pictures with. Yes, so I wanted to let you know that today I am joined by Archer in his, like, spacewalking outfit. So It's really weird. It's a very, like, you can't really tell it's from Star Trek, except there's a little, like, Star Trek insignia on the belt. So thanks, Playmates, but it's kind of a weird one. Yeah. Um, and I also have Sarek in the studio because I thought he would represent all of the oppressive Vulcans that we meet in Enterprise. <laughs> he really looks like, what's his name, Suval he or whatever. He really does, yeah. Yeah, oof. And it's funny to see, like, in 200 years, <laughs> him and Sarek are really alike. Yeah, like, they really despite are. Despite wow. the time change. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ashlyn, I am very sad to say that I have zero Enterprise action figures, and so I just have Bator, as always. She always sits on my desk with me. So at least, because we do have a Duras in Enterprise. I was so going to say. still counts. Yeah. yeah, at least we have a Duras here. Mm-hmm. Well, we have four, because I have Lursa as well. Perfect. And you and me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All oh. right. Well, Rihanna, I think let's get started. I am wondering, this is an interesting question, if you could choose anyone to be first officer aboard Enterprise, and it's not to poll, who are you going to choose? Okay, I'm going to be completely honest that I forgot to prepare for this question. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just going to be using my good old-fashioned on-the-fly brain. I never Um, prepare. I always just do it on the fly. (laughs) What? That's amazing. Okay, I'm very impressed by that. Um... Ooh, this is tough because I, you know, a part of me wants to say like, oh yeah, Trip would be a really good first officer and everything, but like that would be literally taking away the best engineer of like almost all time from the engine room and you like can't do that. Like the Enterprise would explode (laughs) if he wasn't down there making sure it doesn't explode. It's kind of like Scotty. Yeah, even though I said that out of pocket, Scotty (laughs) answer. (laughs) 
exactly. Yeah, like, Scotty is like you're making my that. argument that I gave against Scotty yeah. is what you're saying against. <laughs> I <her>. am. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Um. So this is so this is tricky <laughs> because I guess I'm gonna have to go with. <laughs> Were you gonna say read and then you couldn't like come? To yep. <laughs> I like couldn't, you couldn't. Like, physically yeah. say it. <laughs> I saw you struggling. Yeah. You know what? Screw it. Mayweather. Oh. I am not choosing Reed. I think he's too violent to be first officer. <laughs> I think that putting him in charge of first officer would be dangerous and terrifying for the entire crew. Um, and so I'm gonna go Travis Mayweather. I don't care. He's an ensign. He's amazing. He actually has the most ship experience from everyone on this ship currently, besides T'Pol. But T'Pol doesn't exist in this little thought experiment. So I think that he, you know, he's he's a boomer. He grew up <laughs> on the cargo ships. He's a fantastic pilot. He's got a lot of great knowledge and, like, intel about space, about cultures. I think that he's a lot more sensitive to cultures than maybe some other members of our crew. Uh, besides Hoshi, she would obviously be a great first officer in the scheme of, like, you know, me- beaming down to planets and meeting and making first contact. You'd want Hoshi there. But I think you'd also love to have Travis there. I think he puts a lot of people at ease. He's pretty adorable. He's kind of like, but I never want to put him in sort of, people just put him in like the Wesley Crusher category. Yeah. Which I think is just silly if he's, just because he's like a young ensign at the helm. Also, you know? he's not nearly as young as Wesley no. either. Wesley was like a preteen or a teen. <laughs> literally, yeah. literally a child still, like yeah. technically. Um, and he's definitely over 18. Like he's, I think that like there's something really good about having someone who's fresh you know because they have maybe some more um like more of a positive attitude about alien cultures more of a respect for them and then someone maybe say like archer who he has to sort of be the face of the ship and so he needs someone to sort of remind him to like cool your jets Mm -hmm. a bit and i think that mayweather could do that well um but yeah this is a tricky one because we're such early days and we don't really actually have a structure of command as stable as it would be if we're talking TOS, TNG, any of the others. So Ashlyn, I'm so curious about your answer to this question. I'm so glad that we start out with this type of question. I just want to say because you have already like brought up some things about the command structure that I'm very excited to talk about because mm-hmm. this show is loosey-goosey, like do whatever you want. This <laughs> is like Janeway thought that TOS was cowboy diplomacy, but this is true cowboy. True. I wouldn't even say it's diplomacy. It's, ca- it's, it's just, just cowboys. <laughs> cowboys <Yeah>. origins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Corral who? Like yeah. these are the real cowboys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, for similar reasons, I struggle with this question I actually really love your choice as Mayweather because there's so many people that have a lot, like maybe one or the other strength, like they're a really good officer, but like not very personal Mm -hmm. or like knowledgeable. Yeah. But I think that Mayweather does have both. I'm going to, I'm going to just like, just destroy this because I think I agree with you for Mayweather. Yeah. I'm going crazy. I'm saying flocks. The doctor is a first officer, everyone. This is a historic moment. I, well, just be, I think it could only be done on a show like Enterprise because mm-hmm. it's so crazy and it's kind of anything goes. And I feel like he is a damn good empath for people. Mm. Like he really is good at relating to the crew, but also he's not afraid to make a hard decision. Like he's a doctor, he's organized. I just think he would make yeah. actually a good first officer. 
this is convincing me, <laughs> Ashlyn. Well done. I think, too, he also shares a quality with Mayweather that is so important, and that's optimism. And that is something that the rest of the crew is lacking. And that is important to have a first officer who is, or, or a captain. You know, you need one or the other. That is um, so true. Which yeah. is something we're going to be missing out on. <laughs> true, very optimistic <laughs> duo here. Korean is so. like, and now to the main event. <laughs> Our negative Nellies. <laughs> I'm not trying to drag on Topol or anything at all, ever. I'm, you know, usually try to drag on Archer, though, so <laughs> that's a different story. Um, but yeah, Ashlyn, can you tell the listeners what we watched to prepare, and then I can tell a little story. For Enterprise to talk about T'Pol and the role of first officer, we have watched Broken Bow, part one and two, Unexpected, The Andorian Incident, Breaking the Ice, Sleeping Dogs, Shadows of Pajem, Detained, Shockwave, part one and two, The Expanse, and Twilight for the third time, I believe. (laughs) Of course, like, we love it, and also it just has so many things happening in the episode that we just have to talk about in all these different lenses. Absolutely. When picking these episodes for T'Pol, I had an immensely difficult time, and I say it's due to two things. I think, one, it's my lack of knowledge of Enterprise. I don't tend to rewatch it for fun. I'm sorry to say. Uh, There's a few episodes, of course, that I go to, like Unexpected. I was thrilled to see again. I watched that on my free time. Um, Twilight, of course. Like, Shuttle Pod 1 are some I have go-to ones, but I'm not going to just go and rewatch a random episode. It's really hard for me to remember the more random ones or the more niche episodes that involve T'Pol showing and excelling her first officer role. Well, and I think, too, the second thing that had to, like, is the reason why it was so hard to find these episodes is because the internet just sucks when it comes to T'Pol. It's all about, like, we talked about this in our feminism series, but all of my researches are always about her appearance and how does she look in this episode? Why is this the only episode she wears a Starfleet uniform? Why, why is she always in a cat suit or, or did her hair look good? Blah, blah, blah. All this, like, ridiculous stuff that has nothing to do with her character nothing to do with Jolene Ballack's performance, nothing, just like how she looks. And so I finally was like, you know what, I should just go to an enterprise expert and go to someone who I know is actually knows the content well, knows the stuff. And I went to Instagram because we have a lot of course. Yeah, (laughs) you got to. We have a lot of incredible followers uh, on our Instagram. And so I know I can like trust the people that I'm following to give me good recommendations. And so I reached out to pecan pie posting who uh sarin adele so i reached out to them and was like hello i am just desperately looking for to pull episodes that <laughs> aren't like yeah. yeah like i didn't want to just we can't just talk about her trillium addiction or her her romance with trip you know like all of that stuff is not first officery and so um i reached out to pecan pie posting and i'm just gonna read their message because it's like super amazing and I just want to shout them out. Pecan Pie Posting said, I have some pull First Officer moments that I think stand out, starting with the pilot episode. I think an important thing to keep in mind about T'Pol is that she was never meant to be First Officer aboard Enterprise. She was initially only meant to serve as a consultant for their first mission. 
Her relative rank with the Vulcan High Command places her just below Archer, so when he is injured, she assumes command, much to the shock of all the other bridge officers. However, by the end of the episode, she and Archer come to an understanding, and she proves herself to not simply be the Vulcan interloper placed on Enterprise by the HC, but one who actually shows interest in the well-being of the mission. It's when Archer recognizes this that he asks Apol to remain on Enterprise as his first officer. There are so many moments here and there where she proves herself useful as a senior officer, of course. I think the ones that stand out to me the most are the time she somewhat unexpectedly stands up for and or defends Archer and the mission overall. Pico wow. Pie posting. Wow. <laughs> After this beautiful message, proceeds to send detailed clips and descriptions to each of these episodes that they help us choose for the watch list. And I just like... I'm immensely grateful to you. Thank you so much, Serene. I hope I'm saying your name right. And you're doing amazing for like us as the Duras sisters and for the world for all of your amazing Enterprise content that you post. It's so good. Your page is amazing and you're awesome. We have to say that this episode is literally dedicated to you because yeah. we would be having a much shorter list, I think, uh, and would have missed some important moments if it wasn't for your message and your time and dedication to Enterprise. So thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Shall we get on with this awesome watch list? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go back to the beginning. Once again, every series we've had, except TOS, we've had to go back to the pilot to get to know the origins of this character, and that's no different for T'Pol. So we started off in Broken Bow, and Pecan Pie posting essentially laid out this plot for us, that T'Pol is not... Um, she doesn't even want to be assigned to the Enterprise, and she thinks humans are smelly, and <laughs> she has all of these, like, really negative views toward humans, and she's just incredibly biased. And the whole crew is incredibly biased right back to her. Yeah. And even before she's on the ship, the first time Archer meets Paul is when they're at the medical center, seeing if Clang is alive, and <laughs> if he's well enough to be transported back to Kronos. And Archer is instantly just at the Vulcan's throats. We learn later that he's been taught pretty much since his childhood that Vulcans are utilizing their power to hold humans back and hold Starfleet back from becoming a true federation and from doing that space, ex space exploration work throughout these years. So Archer, in his context, you know, his father died before even getting out into space, even though he helped develop the program and this, this, this ship itself. So he has a lot of bias and prejudice due to that. That's Archer's context, but he just immediately takes it out on T'Pol when they first meet and the other Vulcans who happen to be in the room. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up because I think it's really important to think about Archer's perspective, especially because if you just watch these out of context, Archer yeah. can be so awful to her sometimes. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it does make me feel better, like understanding his background. Yeah, like we go over this extensively in our family series. So go check that out if you haven't. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Rihanna. I forget sometimes what we've talked about. <laughs> his his father's footsteps. Ah, yeah. of course. And that's A the classic. theme. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. So yeah, you're saying about, yeah, his dad has such an involvement in this. So then on this other end with T'Pol, 
she says even the phrase, like, I have learned to tolerate unpleasant situations. So mm. she's like the Vulcan version of like a cat hissing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, please get away from me. I don't want to be here. Literally. But she also, of course, because she's Vulcan, stays very composed about it. And I love this conversation she has with Archer, though, because she goes, uh, I find humans to have a volatile nature and some other things she says. And then her point is immediately proven when Archer starts, like, instantly, like, threatening her, threatening to knock her out or knock yes. her down. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't believe What'd that. What did he say? Like, I have a, I have an inclination to pe- pound yeah. you or something. <laughs> Fate, I oh, mean, no. oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, Not Rihanna. Like but I think this is another thing at play here, which her yeah. guys, you accidentally made a point that's very scary to think uh. about. Um, but... Uh, yeah, Archer basically says that he's trying not to punch to pull because yeah. there's sh- everyone's saying, like, please calm down um, and or please show some restraint. And he's like, this is me restrained. And that's when he's like, yeah. you don't know what I'm trying to do not to punch her. And something just in general I noticed about Archer. I just have to start at this right now because yeah. here we go with Archer and mm-hmm. his weirdness. There were so many times when he was talking about to pull in some context, even if it was a good context. Well, I feel like there's a lot of times where the Vulcan High Command is trying to get her back, and then (laughs) Archer's like, no. And there's one of those times where this comes up, and he's talking in a positive way about her, like he wants her to be promoted, and yet he still will preface it with words like, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically something along the lines of, yeah, she can be really annoying, and when I first met her, I wanted to throw her out of the airlock. You know, like like that is really violent, you know? And it's always when he's talking back to the Vulcans or to other people, basically like other males. I don't even know if it's males, but like he, he just says, like every time he talks about to pull to someone else, he starts it off by saying, for a Vulcan, she's this, this, and that. Like sometimes I want to strangle her. Like literally stuff, like very yeah. violent words, you know? And I wonder yes. if that is an intentional characterization for Archer because they are trying to show like this time period is more like rough and tumble. Or if it's, is it just like Archer actually has like a like a physical violent obsession, you know? Well, maybe I'm, I might be of... overreacting about this, but I'm like, no. it's very weird. No, I do not think you're overreacting about this. I think that this is a disturbing pattern that I actually see in a lot of like early 2000s shows, like late 90s, early 2000s, like mentions of casual violence especially towards women who are like supposed to be their equals and I'm thinking even like shows like Friends I'm thinking even in the West Wing which I adore that show there's still just so many times where you're just like you just said that highly either derogatory or violent thing towards that co-worker of yours who happens to be female like do you realize how bad this is you know and so I'm not this is not me trying to write it off and be like yeah it was just the time because that's never an excuse, you know? But I feel like this is an archer trait, and it's also a, like, writing problem. Yes. We have who at the helm? Berman, still? Mm -hmm. Jesus, are we still in the Berman era? (laughs) Can we, like, leave this era yet? Like, (laughs) it's really hard to talk about women when you have Rick Berman at the helm, and you have, even even Brandon Braga, I think, like, Mm -hmm. let a lot of things pass that shouldn't have in the writer's room, and they're directing, and yeah, so... This is going to come up a lot, I think, because this is an era thing and this is an archer thing. 
and frankly a trip and read thing as well like we have a lot of violent and aggressive men in this show and it's kind of disturbing for me just just putting that out there now <laughs> that like even though trip is like one of my most beloved characters and he's definitely my favorite character in enterprise like there's still times where he's like yelling it to pull that I'm like feeling like physically like shrinking up and I'm like this is a tv show why am I so like on edge about all of these angry men but <laughs> yeah anyway it's just a very violent first meeting for these two like way worse than it was for Kira and Cisco, which I thought was really bad at the time <laughs> you know Man, Rihanna, thank you so much for bringing this up. I do forget about the eras that these shows are made because for the most part, like, you can't really t distinguish, like, the 80s from the 90s on TNG yeah. and DS9. Like, they all have the same uniforms, same budget. Like, it, same it, style it, of writing, too, yeah. like, and directing. Yeah. It feels just like any. it could happen during any time, and I wouldn't be surprised. But Enterprise, it, yeah, absolutely. I think they're trying to model Archer after Kirk. And mm. Kirk, like, always got in fistfights, and he was defending like, his men. women. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> when they're traumatized, he's like, what? What happened? <laughs> he's, like, shaking them, and I'm like, cool, this is great television. <laughs> oh, my God. But, like, there's something... Okay, yeah, that's really bad. I, I always forget about the shaking. Mm -hmm. um, but the... <laughs> Like, how did... Poor women. I can't imagine being... They're, like, sobbing and Kirk's, like, <laughs> rattling their skulls. I'm like, oh this God. is great. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I, like, try to block that out. Yeah. Um, but I think the difference is that he doesn't have, like, graphic, like, word displays. You know, no. like, he doesn't use the metaphor that way. So that's what just makes Archer a little bit more seedy, is it's, like, it's not charming how, how physical he is, you know? It's not, and I think it's also another product of Starfleet being not the Federation yet. There's such a weird distinction between yes. the two. It's still, like, military-ish. Yeah, I mean, Mako's, NATO. like, NATO! <laughs> <laughs> I think I've done that before. I've not. I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would have caught that if okay. you said NATO on this podcast. <laughs> they are not like NATO at all. No. Mako. Oh my god. Um, yeah. Wow. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm speechless, frankly. Um, what were we talking? Oh yeah. So like Federation versus Starfleet. This is just a wild era even for Kirk's era, you know, like you said, this is cowboy, <laughs> no diplomacy. <laughs> and I think this is Period. so true. <laughs> yeah. This is cowboy because like the amount of times that Archer chooses a fist fight over a diplomatic like negotiation is ridiculous. And that's why T'Pol's always there being like, hey, we should try being diplomatic first before we act with violence like the amount of time she says that in each of these episodes we're watching is insane yeah and I really felt like in this first episode especially and we see it continuing on in the first season but I feel like to poll which ha like happens so much with um people who are in the minority on the ship and there's only one Vulcan and so she's mm -hmm. kind of and she's the only one who's been like to multiple planets and interacted with uh, besides flocks um, yeah. and interacted with a bunch of different types of species. And so she is, like, forced to educate them all about yes. how to deal with, with everything that's going on, like, with these species and, like, their culture preferences. And, like, she keeps explaining Klingons and how they would rather die in battle. I do think yes. that is, like, a... Like, it's true 
for mm-hmm. sure, but also humans always want to save Klingons. Always. You know, like... Oh my god. Yeah. It's, it's the episode premise of any injured Klingon. Yeah, like, so I yeah. think they're just starting that early, but um, I... Yeah, I just feel so bad for her, especially in the first episode, because she's literally working around the clock to stopping people from, like, showing their prejudices or, mm-hmm. like, making a situation worse because of their ignorance. While taking it silently from... Everyone, everyone mentions that she's a Vulcan every day of her life. Yeah, well, and and not just that, they mention she's a Vulcan in a way that makes it sound bad, you know, makes it sound like a curse word almost, you know, or makes it sound like something that's not to be respected when really the other way around. I mean, I'm a Vulcan sib, let's be honest. (laughs) Even though Vulcan culture is dicey. Um, it's um, so dicey. I'm holding up so Sarek right now to remind you of the Vulcan's true spirits, Rihanna. <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend just got me a case that's a Vulcan case. So literally like... Like a phone says, case. Is it Vulcan on it? Yeah, phone case. So um, anyway, I still think that, yeah, it's just, it's disrespectful. And it sucks that she has to do all of this while just sort of taking what people say to her, you know? Yeah. Oh, seriously. And I do think it gets better, you know, especially mm-hmm. as the crew, like, begin interacting with more species, and also she becomes more accepted on the ship as they go yeah. on. Um, I think this first episode is a good intro for her, because we already, like, like what exactly what Rihanna's describing, everyone loves Vulcans because of Spock, and yes. so it's very interesting to see this side where they actually are really annoying and like really trying to limit the humans and have like micromanaging amount of control over them and so very presumptuous about humans yeah Yeah. so i can really um so it's interesting to see where to is starting you know that she's around this all the time and she's kind of indoctrined to believe um, and I think slowly she's going to like begin to really disagree with the high command when she's around humans more. So anyway, I do love amidst all this, you know, like adjustment and just difficulty getting along. I love that what I call or what Ashlyn and I call the thruple dinners, the T'Pol, Trip and Archer dinners. Yes. Um, start right away. <laughs> like, <laughs> very, it's like one of the very first scenes once they're on Enterprise. And yeah. so... This is great because then they actually get to sit down and get to know more about each other and not just, like, work stuff, you know? And so, you know, T'Pol gets to mention that they're impulsive carnivores, which I think is hilarious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just really great because that gives them more insight into each other and I think helps Archer to understand her just a little bit. Absolutely. And also to see that she doesn't have as thick of a, like, wall around her as all the other Vulcans do, it seems like. Like, totally. Later, um, I think in the cracking the ice, breaking and breaking the <laughs> ice, um, yeah. we're going to see that uh, there's another Vulcan that's invited to dinner. And oh, yeah. um, he just, like, is stonewalling Archer. Like, he's, like, having one-word responses he's or, like... like I already ate. <laughs> like, yeah, wow, like, dick. that's rude to <laughs> yeah. come to dinner, like, full. That's so rude. And yeah. he's, like, casually ignoring all of these human niceties that we really value. Like, yeah. he's just stepping all over him. He's being awful. And, um, like, not a good diplomat. And yet to pull, kind of in the same situation, she is finally she's like giving in a little bit and she's like okay you guys are being like interesting so I'm just gonna like show a little bit more of myself and show that I'm not like yeah I'm pissed to be here but I'm not gonna like you know throw a fit 
yes, that's such a good distinction. And the fact that, like, even just subtle things, like, she won't pick up her breadstick with her fingers because she's like, well, oh my gosh, with their fingers. Yes, yes. You know, and I love that because then she she uses it as a metaphor <laughs> for, like, their mission and saying, you know, like, uh, with enough determination, anything's possible or whatever she said. And she, like, is able to cut this tiny breadstick <laughs> with this, with her knife it. and fork. It's so good. And that is just fun because they get to see kind of her, like, humorous, more, like, open side, too, like you are saying. Yes. Well, and also I think it's good for us to start liking to pull because we're kind of judging her for, like, bro, like, or at least I was. Or for, what? For, judging to pull. Yeah, I was like, why don't you just, like just use your fingers, bro. Like, it's okay. But her, like, acting, Jolene Ballack's acting is so amazing in that because you just know, she's like, I am not gonna effing touch this effing breadstick with my fingers. You know, like, she's so determined that she makes it happen and she eats the breadstick with a fork. I mean, my thought is Vulcan's fingers are, like, very important. Yeah. They're not gonna use it to eat food, you know? Like, this is just so not her. It's like, you don't want to put your brain on, like, a piece (laughs) of bread, you know? Exactly. It's not good for it. It's just not it. (laughs) And so I think that's also why, but it's just, you're right, her acting is so, so good, always, is to pull. I'm like, I just love, too, because she gets to play a different Vulcan than we've ever seen, because we're so used to Spock being the half-human, half-Vulcan, and the whole struggle and everything that comes with it. And with T'Pol, it's a completely different struggle, like we're talking about. It's just, and completely different, you know, like, highs and lows, so. Absolutely. Also, question. Mm-hmm. In that scene, after, I think it's after the Thrupple dinner, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> T'Pol, I think, I, I can't remember the circumstances of it, but it's something that Hoshi is not happy about. Oh, I think because Hoshi, she's being kind of mean to Hoshi about her translating skills. And then I wonder what she says to T'Pol and Vulcan. I think it's a curse. I think she totally calls <laughs> T'Pol out. But maybe it was just like... At first, oh my god. Illogical or something. I, I don't know. I thought you meant curse. Like, like Hoshi's like, and I now place you under my skull. <laughs> She's a witch or something. It's like, what is happening? Um, I've been watching too much um, Black too Clover, much anime, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Insert anime. <laughs> I know like four animes that have a curse in it, so totally. Yeah. Anyway. Wow, more common than you think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I didn't think that. I thought maybe it was um, like I didn't think it was like a swearing type of curse. I think mm-hmm. it was like I'm sorry or something. I don't oh. know. I I felt more like she was trying to like have an olive branch because like. And also, she's kind of flexing, like, I can speak Vulcan, so, like, don't trash yeah. talk around me. I think you know? it was it was a flex as well, but T'Pol did the eyebrow TM, so I was just like, it must have been something outlandish if, if we could get the eyebrow out of T'Pol, so. <laughs> Man. <laughs> or illogical, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that was a very small thing, but I was like, I wonder what she says to her in Vulcan. I could have just looked it up, but... Oh, no, it just says when Ensign no. Sato insults to pull in the Vulcan language. So it is insult. And is an insult. Yeah. Wow. Well, there goes, there goes my opinion. <laughs> Your theory. <laughs> wow. Okay, Rihanna, you can, you, I mean, why did I even question it? Your Vulcan is spectacular. <laughs> it wasn't even that I knew the word. It was just that, like, Hoshi's tone was really, like, ugh, when mm-hmm. she said something. 
Which I love that Vulcans have insults. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, that's and surprising. Like, but yeah, the kids so. gotta say something. Oh. Oh yeah, when they're cursing out their illogical fathers. Or yeah, something. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, Ashlyn, shall we talk more about this plot to get Kang back to the? <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just let's talk about Archer and Topol's role in this. Yes. Okay. I guess I guess we should go over the basic plot for some like <laughs> minor <laughs> minor plot details. Um, yeah. <laughs> major driving forces of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um. So Kang has like crash landed on Earth, and that's why. And the Vulcans are trying to like they're trying to spin this, so it's like another reason to delay Enterprise from going out. And so then they're like, okay, if, if you really want to launch the ship as part of Starfleet. Um, you can take Kang back to Kronos and, like, see how you do, you know, as, like, mm-hmm. a baby test run. Um, yeah. Milk run, essentially. Yeah, and so that's why Topol is there, is to make sure that everything goes according to plan. And I think for her also to do the bidding of the high command at this point, because she's not loyal to Archer. She doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Um, she has no reason to not do her job as like her role on the high command you know yeah and she also was not authorized to tell archer stuff and so there was a lot that he was left out of the mission and so that's when they really butt heads because of course he finds out and he's pissed and so then they they have it out and then once they're done arguing then they have to like go and find clang because he was stolen by the sulabon that's when they can sort of finally start to work together they have a a motivated cause and all now all the truth is out and so then they go from like fighting each other to getting very self-sacrificial when they're like on the roof or wherever they are in the snow <laughs> yeah waiting for bema or waiting for the shuttle yeah and Tapol saves archer's life mm-hmm. um and i think that has to make a huge impact on you you know when archer saves her life yeah for and then he he's like here i'll go you go I'll get shot in the leg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they do kind of have a saving people thing going on. Yeah. Um, and I think that is very... <laughs> <laughs> Those people love to Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, and also, briefly, we do get to see when T'Pol assumes command because Archer is wounded, and Trip is not having any of this. And he no. is, like, hater number two in yeah, line for Tipol. and vocal about it, too. He questions her decisions. He questions, like, pretty much everything that she does until we have this moment, you know, where, where they're, like, everyone's saving each other and they get more connected and I think yeah. also trustworthy. It's like, okay, Tipol can actually act outside of the Vulcan High Command and as long as she can do that, we can tolerate her you know yeah exactly i think it's that decision she made to not go back to earth and to not just like you know oh our mission failed let's just leave clang where he is (laughs) and and go back and ask for orders you know that's what was making trip so angry and she says at one point my vulcan rank outranks yours and i think that that's important you know that she mentions command because as pecan pie posting so beautifully put it like this is literally the she's the equivalent of the first officer aboard Enterprise now, and so she does assume command because of her rank. She's a sub commander, so I think that that sort of quiets Trip a little to be like, oh yeah, good point. 
Yeah, what, and this is what I like about Trip too, is he is very open-minded. And so once she just like explains her credentials, he's like, okay, yep, yeah. <laughs> I guess that but makes also, sense. Yeah, like she shouldn't have to, but. Nope. She does. And yeah. then it helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Paul doesn't go back to Earth. She says like, she knows it was a foolish mission, but she anticipated Archer's wishes, you know, more over the high commands. And this is the turn that we'll start to see. This is the beginning of it. Yes. Okay. I was laughing at this part, actually, because we just had our um, Chakotay first officer series. And like when Janeway goes down and is about to die, Chakotay does the opposite of her decision. (laughs) True. And so like already T'Pol is so adept at being a first officer that she is executing Archer's decision. I do. I do think there's like obviously a difference because, um, well, actually, is there? Like, I'm trying to think even... Yeah, no, there's not. Like, I just think it's I just think it's really funny. Like, what's going on with Chakotay? Chakotay. <laughs> she just loses his mind a little yeah. when she's injured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a really, really great point, Ashlyn. Um, so then we run into another snag, though, because after she decides not to go back to Earth, then she's still in command, and Archer has been taken somewhere... And it's too risky for him to go, for them to go back for him. And Trip again starts arguing in front of the whole crew. Topol wants to just return Clang. To that's their primary mission, and she would know that she was figuring the captain would want me to go straight to Kronos. And Trip is arguing, no, the captain would want you to save him. And it's this whole very yeah public thing right in front of everyone on the bridge, and it's just so like that's. You know, if it were Picard, he'd be like, we need to speak privately in my office. And he's like, you do not do that in front of my crew. Yeah. <laughs> you know? that's Who what said I, that? Yeah. Also, um, Janeway no, to Seven. Janeway. Or yeah. no. Yes. It's Kote. Yeah. Or no. It was Tuvok. No, Tuvok. Yeah, told no, her. No, Janeway told <laughs> Oh my god, which is... It was Chakotay. He told yeah. her, and then he told Pavati. <laughs> she just told him. <laughs> oh god. Yes, Absolutely. Um, I was going to say that I kind of love that T'Pol mentions, oh, our mission, like the, the ship's mission is over because we uh, we lost the Klingon. So like, there's no more mission. Let's go home. <laughs> and that's like the definition of quiet quitting. You know, she's like, <laughs> yes. the job is done. We need to go. <laughs> Not in the way we wanted it. But it's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just love that. Like, I, I, that. I, I wonder if all the Vulcans, like, that's how they, you know, just maintain their, like, life logic balance. It's just they're like, yes. okay, it didn't work out. We're hopping. We're, <laughs> We're bouncing out. Let's go. I'll see yeah. you later. Yeah. Honestly, I love that a lot. Um, and, of course, T'Pol goes back, saves Archer. They beam him on, and they are able to get Clang back to Kronos. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and at the end, I really enjoyed this last scene with Archer and T'Pol, because he admits to her that he had to let go of some of his preconceptions, and he asks her to say, but he does it also in kind of a weird way. Um, <laughs> like, unusual. he makes her ask the Vulcans, and... Yeah. Like, in, instead of, like, oh, it would look weird, like, if I asked for you to stay, like, to the Vulcan, so you should ask to stay, so it seems like you're more, like, excited about it or something. Um, I don't know. I, I Do you think this and, was because of pride? She, says, she literally says, it seems like pride is another one of the things that you need to let go of. That's right. Yes. And he still is like, you just ask. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I just, I, I thought, don't want this. <laughs> I thought it was kind of a weird move, you know, like. Yeah, he's embarrassed to be seen as needing her. Like desperate. Which is so silly. Yeah. So dumb. Yeah. Uh, I do love this scene, though, and I think it's cool that Archer says this mission would have failed without your help, which is so damn true. Damn true. <laughs> like, a million times over. Yes. I also just want to say, like, I know we've, oh my gosh, we've talked so long about this episode. Broken Bow. Um, yeah, bro we're, yeah, we're still on Broken Boat, but I just think that it's w one of the most important episodes it's dealing with their relationship because it lays the groundwork. Also, I really love T'Pol's arc in this episode, and I think that's something that makes a successful pilot is when you have a character that has the satisfying journey. So I love to see where they have to pull at the end of this episode because there's still room for growth, absolutely. But she's been able to kind of like see the crack in the door of like, okay, I, like, I guess we can be friends. Yes. Or tolerate each other, yeah. Yeah, at least for now, <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. We can still have our thruple dinners. I'll still be fine. marry one of you. Yeah, don't worry about but it. But not, not the you, other. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to your trip. <laughs> Stop falling on my boobs, please. <sighs> anyway. She does That's later. Um, yeah. Okay, so now we are on to unexpected, correct? Yes. We have an unplanned, unexpected pregnancy in this episode. Yes, this is a glorious episode. Always a joy to rewatch. Uh, the Enterprise, and this is this is the only this is the fifth episode of the series, so we're very early on. Trip encounter, not trip, just trip floating <laughs> through space. He's like, there they are. I got visuals. <laughs> yeah. Just me. I got visuals. Just like in a submarine, you know, like looking out. <laughs> Lord Almighty. Okay. Um, I thought it was interesting because this episode started with T'Pol really resisting eating human food or drinks or anything. Like, <laughs> like, and she's like only having water and tea. Mm -hmm. um, she's not showing any interest in trying to assimilate with the crew at all. And I think Flocks is like, aren't there any like specialties you like? Because he loves Chinese food, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I just thought that was interesting. You know, it shows that she's not even interested in like, experiencing their culture. Yeah. Ashlyn, I hadn't really thought of that, but that's a good point. She is resisting a lot, and I think that maybe she prefers more of a one-on-one. -on -one. Like, I think that's how she thrives, or, or the, the three, <laughs> the three of them, you know? But, like, large groups or sort of, like, communing with people in the mess hall just seems really out of territory for her. Oh, absolutely. I think it's because it would be overwhelming to be, like, interacted with as the only, like, really hot Vulcan on the ship, you know, because yeah. there's so much, like, interact. there's so many interactions she's probably having day to day that are just, like, uncomfortable, you know, so it's better to limit those interactions if you can. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, oh man, she's doing great. I think she's doing the best she can, you know, this is a different environment, but... Also, I love that this episode starts out with T'Pol sticking up for Archer. Yes. We're seeing this is a theme, as Pecan Pie mentioned, that um, sticks up to Archer for Klingons. And I love that she has this whole speech about how the Chancellor feels like Archer's a brother and you are in his debt and he returned Clang. <laughs> you know, like, you better not disrespect him. And everyone else is struggling so hard to talk to these Klingons that she just steps forward and is, like, very determined. 
standing her ground, something that the Klingons really respect, and she understands their culture, like you said, providing context and understanding for this very human crew. Yes, I love that scene, and I... Yeah, we as you said, we see it again and again, and every time I'm just impressed by her ability to adapt so quickly to situations. And yes. she she has she's like in control, you know. Like in this sense, she is a perfect captain for this mission. Oh, absolutely! And I love that. Then we find out after, um, once the Klingons move off, uh, to pull exaggerated on Archer's behalf. Obviously, the yep. Chancellor doesn't consider him a brother, um, but it was just really great to see that moment because it's just throwing out the window. Like Wilkins definitely lie, and to pull will lie for Archer. Yes. She says, it's just what Klingons do. Yeah, that's how she covers for it. I was actually going to ask this. um, Do you think, so your opinion, like Vulcans can definitely lie. um, Because I I think we've seen so much that Spock will lie or imply Mm -hmm. the famous uh, 2009 line. (laughs) Like, it's like, like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) Quinto's like, you lied. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like old Spock is just, like, enjoying life, like, implying as much as he wants. Mm -hmm. Um, And everyone else perceives the Vulcans as being extremely truthful. So I just, yeah, I don't know. I I was really curious about T'Pol because she really will just, like, straight up lie. (laughs) Like, and not, it's not even, like, you couldn't even say it's exaggeration. So this is the first time I'm seeing that. Oh, and the other thing I was going to say is that Spock, of course, is half human. And so Mm -hmm. I think because we only have had an in-depth exposure to a half human before, mm-hmm. um, having exposure and like seeing a lot of layers on a full Vulcan mm-hmm. who has a bi- as big of a role as to pull. I am like starting to understand that like actually there are subtle differences between the two. So totally like she and... she can just lie and it's fine. Yeah, and I think that it's also probably one of those things that's like a stereotype or or a misconception about Vulcans or maybe that like Vulcans don't consider lying to be logical. 99% of the time you know and then there are times where it's deemed that in this situation it's logical to lie to these Klingons in order to get us not killed you know mm-hmm. and that's I true feel like this is so it's just funny because there are Vulcans maybe who are more inclined to lying more like to pull and then there's probably some like what's to pull's husband name he's like kind of a square like he would never lie <laughs> he you would know? never lie yeah <laughs> like even if it was that 90 if he, even if it's that one percent time like he's still like no it is not in our creed or whatever <laughs> i feel like it's more something that the vulcans want to uphold than something that they physically can't do oh my god i oh god this is gonna hurt rihanna i just googled to pull's husband and then what came up was trip tucker <laughs> <laughs> Y'all shut up. That's <laughs> oh. painful. Ow. Um, costs. Much costs, more. Much of course. Cost the square. <laughs> cost the square is never lying, but Tipol will lie. And then, of course, we have this whole trip, which is not the subplot. It's the made plot, but for this episode, it is our subplot of Trip getting pregnant for when he put his hand in some mysterious pebbles. Yep. I love that too because he's actually had a blast on this ship. It took him a little bit to adjust and he, you know, he's going over to uh, repair their their ship. Yeah, so they are stranded and they have to send only probably one person over there because it takes 3 hours to detox on the way. Detox. And <laughs> detox. 
Wait, what? Oh God, not detox. Um, uh, so it takes him three hours to decompress um, in the decompression chamber same. on the way there and the way back. Yeah, absolutely same. <laughs> yeah, need a good three hours and then I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but uh, once he like is there in the environment, he refuses to take a nap. And then finally Archer's like, I order you to take a nap, which I need someone to tell me to do. Yes. Um, and then... Uh, he has a great time. He's, like, so hyped. He's, like, an American in Paris. He's freaking out. He's, like, this yes. whole thing is super cool. Mm-hmm. And I think he's the perfect person to send along, you know, because he's very, um, like, open and excited about meeting people. He's very nice. And also he's, like, obviously the engineer. I love when they go in the holodeck room. It's basically a holodeck. And that's where the pregnancy occurs. My favorite line <laughs> yes. was when uh, she says, because she has two hands in and he puts one in. And she's like, it takes four hands to work because she says it's a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it reminded me of it takes two to tango. Yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She said, for this pregnancy to occur, I need yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like that should, she should have had inside a waiver or something first for going on this boat <laughs> with these pebbles. But um, she didn't think it would work on his his species. But I love that to pull when he comes back and he realizes he's pregnant. He is just, like, of course, shocked and everything. And to pull, and, and he's wondering how. How did he get pregnant? He's like, how the hell did I get knocked up? <laughs> and to pull and Archer are like, are you kidding? It's not probably not that hard to think about their trip. And um, when they finally realize it was the pebbles, to pull's just exasperation is so funny to me. She's like, you stuck your hands where they don't belong, <laughs> you know, like she's like acting like he's a child, which can be condescending too, you know, but like he did stick his hands where they didn't belong yeah. without asking a lot of questions, but she didn't provide a lot of answers either, so. It kind of reminds me of Harry when he's like just looking in the pensive and he's like, mm-hmm. I shouldn't probably touch it, but yeah. like maybe I should. <laughs> maybe I want to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's trip too. He's like, mm-hmm. okay, and, and no one's going to know. How are they going to know yeah they're gonna know yeah. how are they You're gonna pregnant know? <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, literally i love to uh like completely disbelieving attitude archer too and he's really like dude are you serious mm-hmm. um like how and he describes behavior that i can only apply to captain kirk you know yeah. uh where and uh trip is like i was a total gentleman we were only there for three days i didn't do anything and like if kirk were there he would have like banged every woman <laughs> yeah in yeah. the human way and the other way and he would mm-hmm. have like 10 babies on him <laughs> yeah. um so i think it's really funny that they're setting this precedent that like mm-hmm. it's okay to be sexual in the show yeah. but it's not okay to go around banging everyone because this is a serious professional organization yeah, of course <laughs> yeah i was over there to work yeah yeah <laughs> she was just another engineer <laughs> yeah. it's like that it sounds it. exactly like a like a starfleet porno like <laughs> the come on trip engineer. yeah exactly yeah. like keep it in your pants boy yeah he tried his best um, he did <laughs> he literally did uh yeah and so the rest of you know to role in this is minimal in the rest of the episode but it's mostly setting this precedent again that she is going to be sticking it for Archer more. She's going to be understanding the crew more. And I think it's just context is so important. That's why we have logs for starships, you know, is to understand the entire story. And that's why it's important to keep up with your logs, which, you know, I sound like Boimler, but it's true. Yeah, absolutely true. Um, 
I also, my favorite ending maybe of like all of Enterprise <laughs> season one or maybe all of it um, <laughs> is when the Klingons, like they get so hyped because they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go down to that planet too. I want to see the holodeck. And then he's on there and it's like obviously Kronos because one of the Klingons points and says, I can see my house from here. <laughs> yes, that is the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like he's so delighted. <laughs> oh my God, they're so excited for this holodeck. Yeah. <laughs> And that's another uh, T'Pol situation, right? Yeah. She decides, hey, let's exchange something. Or no, or is it Trip? I can't remember. Um, She she vouches to them. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, T'Pol helps with the Klingons. She vouches to them about Archer, like, hey, it's going to be fine. And we just had a great experience aboard that ship, and you should go too. And, like, don't worry about us, you know? Like, it's, it's all yeah. good. And don't destroy them, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry they were taking your, like, <laughs> plasma... F- exhaust or whatever but like they have cool ass technology yeah exactly so it was an exchange of technology instead of violence which good job to pull she's always preventing violence nice job (laughs) yes um okay now shall we go on to the andorian incident i'm so so glad that this episode exists it's truly such an it's one of my favorites it's such a great episode of enterprise and to plays such an essential role in this episode it starts out with just a harmless visit to a, the Vulcan Monastery on Pajem. Uh, it's supposed to be just a quick tour, and then it, the gift of the stone, and then they leave. But, of course, it all goes wrong, because it's an Andorian incident. And so, I want to talk, though, about before they leave, because there's a lot of T'Pol stuff going on in the beginning here. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, and I, I also want to just bring up, because it's going to be a reoccurring theme, that... Uh, she does not really want to go to the monastery, um, but yeah. Archer is so excited, and he's like, "I've been, I was at a monastery in Tibet," which kind of sounds like culture bagging, you know? No, literally. Yeah. Um, but he, he's talking about all his study abroads in Africa and Tibet, and <laughs> I mean, which like, I, I, you know, that is cool, you know, like, yeah. dude, like that's really cool. And so I understand you're like monastery collecting, but yeah, but um, like, bro, calm down. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It just came off as weird coming mm-hmm. from Archer, but um, yeah. and man, I'm so sorry. I think we're gonna lose some fans who like Archer in this episode. Like, yeah, I'm we're Archer bashing a little. I feel like we're gonna go. We're gonna lose like. I'm gonna lose some people, Rihanna. Um, yeah, so we, we might. We better uh, we better cheer up about Archer, but um, it's just facts, though. Sometimes, yeah, it I'm is. Sorry. It is facts. Um, anyway, so he's really pumped to go to this monastery. Uh, I think I'm wondering what your perspective is, um, because even though, so okay, Tapul has this way of interacting with with humans, uh, where she doesn't want to say exactly how she feels and so she will say something else like it's logical to do this like Spock does or like um she says like a fact and so that's why she's making this decision instead of saying like you have convinced me to like do this um Mm -hmm. and so with the whole monastery thing do you think like she didn't want them to go because she'd be embarrassed or do you think she actually secretly did want them to go because like it would help in not only to enhance, but she could kind of show off like how amazing her culture is, like in the kind of like Vulcan prideful way, because they love traditions. So I don't know. Do you think she secretly wanted them to go or no? I think it's probably complex 
I think it's a little bit of both because she wants them to see her culture and to understand her better, but he's that she's also worried that they're going to ruin it or that they're going to say something off color or do something just questionable, which they don't think is questionable, but of course it's going to be interpreted that way. There's so many like cultural missteps they could take, especially because Archer and Trip seem appear pretty bored when she's talking to them about all of the rules of the monastery. I'm like, you should be taking notes. You should be writing this stuff down. And they really do try to follow it in the beginning before they real before they realize everything's gone awry. I think it's really hard for her to understand or not, sorry. I think it's really difficult to have to navigate like feeling embarrassed about sorry, sorry. No, I want to say this yes. better. You know, like I think she's feeling embarrassed about having a human crew and about uh being around humans because so many Vulcans will like accuse her of the and accuse Spock of like, "Oh, they essentially like they're rubbing off on you or you seem irrational. You spend too much time you you need to come back home." You know, like she gets that a lot in the series. And so I think them stepping into her culture and her territory and amongst other Vulcans is really putting her on the spot and like they better not mess this up and so yeah I think it's both yeah I think that is a really really good point for me it kind of reminds me of like a high school situation you know where you have different friend groups and yet one like kind of ranks the outranks the other one and so when you're in a situation where both of them are in the same room or in the same class you kind of go with the one like the higher click you know um and then even if you say some kind of mean things to like your friends in the other area it it doesn't I don't know like that's just like what she leans to automatically is like I'm not going to stand up for Archer and the humans because I'm with the cool kids I'm with the Vulcans Mm -hmm. and I also don't want the cool kids to shun me and because that would be even worse than having the human shun her you know yes so I was really I was thinking about high school while I was watching these ancient Vulcans um, like interact with Starfleet it's crazy it drives me insane how much the Vulcans are high schoolers in this way and Ashlyn I love this analogy because Because early Vulcans, especially, well, actually, no, I'm not even going to say that. Like, because Vulcans and their culture and their expectations on every single Vulcan is so unfair, so not inclusive of their edict, you know, that they hold so dear of infinite diversity and infinite combinations, but not if you're different than us, you know? Exactly. We celebrate infinite diversity and infinite combinations as long as you still fall in line with our ideals, I'm like, mm, that's not how it works. You, you have to start from the inside. You have to start from the Vulcans, the center, and how your society is built and how it's built on, like, toxicity and being the same and not feeling othered because it's outside of logic or whatever. Like, there's so many indications of this in Vulcan culture and T'Pol is an essential key role because she sometimes acts, quote-unquote, irrationally to the Vulcan High Command because she's been around humans too long, instead of it just being a, I'm different because not every Vulcan's the same, dumbasses. Sorry, I get really riled up about this, and it's something I really despise about Vulcan culture, and the society is so toxic in that way that it really makes sense that she didn't want them to come down, and maybe even if she wanted them to see her world, it's a tricky world to navigate, even for her, who is a Vulcan. Like, come on. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. Rihanna, thank you. I, I always feel like thank just you. so lucky to watch you go off about Vulcans <laughs> because <laughs> you really are a, like an expert. Like people should be calling you in to, um, to colleges to speak on this subject. Like I would be first in line, like, okay, let's, let's talk about Vulcan society. Um, I'd be down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe um, I'm available. Maybe we'll do a panel someday. That would be really cool. And I can just sit there and um, <laughs> just enjoy panel, <laughs> Rihanna like, speaking. Alien cultures. Yes. Yes. Because um, it is really interesting. Um, anyway, yeah. That was that was lovely. Thank you. I want to note a couple of things. So, yes, this is our first officer series, but a big difference in this in Enterprise especially, is that Archer does not treat her like a first officer. Um, nope. <laughs> I mean, not only in the like bad the way you implied nope in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're I right. just mean also in like there's an I just I feel the absence of that type of interaction. I think we see like throughout the episodes that the captain and the first officer will continue to try to work on their relationship as a command team. And if they happen to develop like a friendship, that's cool too. But a lot of these episodes have been focused on like, this is how I want to be treated. Like, um, it's like, this yeah. is how we interact when we're off the record. Like, how honest do you want to be? And there's no kind of discussions like that really between Archer and T'Pol. Uh, and That's so true. for me, that was like, I really felt that absence and he calls her his science officer all the time. I don't think I, he, maybe he says first officer a couple times, but it's primarily yeah. science officer. Like when she gets captured, he's like, where's my science officer? Or whenever she's like about to leave and get on a Vulcan ship again, um, yeah. he's like, you're my science officer. Like what will I do without <laughs> you? And yeah, so yeah. I feel like just by not acknowledging her formally as the first officer, it makes me like have this feeling of disrespect and that they're not really like connected on the same page. Even if they are, even if they just had a great conversation, like I think, but I, I think I'm reading it um, because I have, you know, all of the other relationships that we've been talking about that are so close and mm -hmm. so well-developed. I just feel like there's kind of that lack between Archer and T'Pol, especially, I mean, we're still very early on, you know? Yeah, and I think this also comes from just the time. This is the first warp-capable, like, mission, big mission that they're doing, ever. Yeah. So, that's just, that's really tricky. The command structure is not yet, like, finalized, I feel like, you know, not until the Federation actually comes along and... Yeah, this is, remember, this is cowboy. Anyone can be captain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, and, yeah. and one thing, I so now um, going in deeper to the Andorian incident, um, I thought that the shift, like the transition that we see in the first scene where they're actually at the monastery is really fun and informative because, um, you know, T'Pol's talking to the elder and the elder's explaining everything into the humans. It just seems like a normal monastery trip. But as soon as the guy goes to go get the stones, the monastery dude, um, mm -hmm. T'Pol says to Archer, like, that guy, the monk is really agitated. And <laughs> yes. this is really weird. And she's like, also, look at that, like, effing statue. It's, like, leaning at a weird angle. She said, yeah, what it, oh, yeah, God, she... the way she said it was so good. <laughs> like, perched at a precarious angle or yeah. something. Yeah. And, and Archer, he does make fun of her wording of it, but he Mostly immediately... Yeah, yeah, you're right. It is trip. Um, but then, like Archer immediately gets to work, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, you're right. Like 
it, I trust to pull because she's good. Like she knows her own culture and she can read Wilkins much better than I can. So I just like seeing that, you know, he's trusting her word and that's how all of this starts. You know, they discover that the Andorians are there and the entire time to pull is a liaison between the monks and Enterprise, which is not her job, but it's fine. Oh, yes, Ashlyn, you were bringing up so many incredible points. I love that. And I love that Archer really gets the job done. But um, they also have this whole discussion once they're getting, once they're like, you know, held hostage in this room um, by the Andorians trying to figure a solution for this. Uh, Archer's is, you know, go in guns a blazing, knock them out, retake the monasteries, essentially. And to Poles is, we need to think logically, we need to use a peaceful solution, we need to be diplomatic, try to get through to them. So they have a, a fundamental difference of opinion, you know, that makes it a, such an interesting dynamic for the two of them, and a tricky one, because... Topol has to play this line, like you're saying, between the monks and Archer and Trip. And Archer questions her loyalty loyalty at one point. And she's she asks if she's ever disobeyed his orders before. And she hasn't. So Yeah, exactly. So that's what I was thinking about is um well first of all, he like calls her over to like cuddle under the blanket. Yeah. I'm <laughs> and like, I'm okay. like I mean, I know he secretly just wants give her to the blanket. talk. But like just <laughs> This is weird. Like, why does he? Ha- why does it have to be in this physical situation? Yeah. Um, it's to create audience intrigue. Like, uh, guess, to pull yeah. in a bed with Archer. What's gonna they happen? Said, Ooh, sex. Yeah, <laughs> this is what the audience likes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I thought. I mean, I'm glad that Archer is telling her his plan, and he's like, "Yep, we have to do violence." Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Archer chooses, wakes up and chooses violence. Literally every um, day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, he wants to make sure that she's going to go along with the plan, even if it goes against the Vulcan philosophy. So this is another test of her loyalty to Archer and her willingness to follow his orders, despite it being something that definitely the High Command would not agree with, which is always the overlooming thing for them. Um and she, and yet you're exactly right, Rihanna. She said she would. She has never violated his orders before. So why would she even when it has bigger stakes? Yeah, exactly. And he understands this, I think, but it takes him a while, and it takes a little, a few more times of her doing this for him to then just like fundamentally trust her. Yep. Um, but this is a really tricky situation because then. Once we beam more officers down, set off some explosives, then they finally discover a secret door in the like artifact basement that is keeping this entire listening post a secret. When the Vulcans claimed they didn't have any liars, this is what I'm saying. They yeah, can lie. big liars here. Yeah, <laughs> big liars, and that was not in the nine in the one percent time that you should lie, Vulcans. Bad, <laughs> bad Vulcans. So. And Topol realizes this. She says, okay, we have to give the information to the Andorians. This is absolutely terrible what what the Vulcans are doing. And she sticks by Archer. Yeah, I think she agrees with Archer. And I, again, yeah. we haven't really talked too much about how they really complement each other. Um, but I do think that in a lot of situations, Archer will say what Topol won't. 
And yeah. even though she privately agrees with him, she's not going to say it. Um, and But Archer will. <laughs> and, like, yes. they agree on enough things. So I, I just thought, I think that's an interesting, like, dynamic. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about, like, how different or similar they are to other first officers that we've seen? I think just to, to extend your point, even of, like, their compatible characteristics, also, I think that... Vulcans, like the ones who created the listening post and then lied about it, often confuse morals and logic or often think that they are not, they cannot be in an alignment to get the job done or make something happen. So they chose the logical conclusion, which was we will hide this listening post, not tell the truth about it, and then we can keep tabs on the Andorians and stop an overall war that could occur. Logic, sure. Logical. Damn, damn. I get, I'm getting, I'm writing this down for our panel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. Like, wow. That, yeah. Yeah. That is cool logic. And it is, it is absolutely logical, that decision, but it is not moral. And that is the difference. And I think that a lot of Vulcans are like, well, logic supersedes morality, when in reality, it shouldn't. And this is how Depol defines herself in a different way than a lot of Vulcans would. And, and Spock, and we've seen it with a lot of Vulcans, Tuvok, um, will choose the the most morally logical choice, you know, and that's where Archer and T'Pol align more. And I really appreciate that about them, is that they're always pretty much in agreement about when something's good or bad, or even when there's gray lines, like Simultitude, <laughs> where mm-hmm. no one should have uh, gone through with that. <clears throat> But <laughs> like, like Riker would have thrown Picard like off the ship. He would have just in like, solitary. He'd be like, yeah, you get, get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> for a day. <laughs> you can't clone Jordy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's insane. That ep- morality just flew away in that episode. <laughs> I'm just thinking like More everyone, five. everyone. Well, maybe not Voyager, Loki. Um, but like I don't know, everyone on DS Nine would like resign. They're like, you're yeah. not cloning in, in O'Brien. Progress. Also, we don't want two O'Briens, low key. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is one of the many many reasons I had I love to pull so much. And also, shout out to our mom who is a huge to pull fan, and I'm sure is very excited for this episode. She texts us this week. She's like, since there's no more new Dura Sisters episodes, I had to listen to music today. I was like, no, oh, I was like, small bird. Damn, yeah. <laughs> AKA uh, record and edit faster. Which yeah, mom? They, we're trying. Okay, we're trying. <laughs> we just gotta wait till Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I got her at a. What I call a to pin. It's a to pull pin from uh, Mission Chicago. And yeah, anyway. Amazing. So she's awesome. And we love Andorian Institute. Yeah. Oh, I was I was also going to say, lastly, to close the door, close the book on this Vulcan conversation. Yeah. Um, some of the um, traits you were describing about the Vulcans who use logic to um, kind of like work their way like into any situation... Uh, that's kind of like Romulans. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So how different are they really? Like, who's the enlightened one here? Yes. If you resolve, resort to acts like this, how can you ever become enlightened in a new way? Come on. Like, you gotta... I'm not saying that all humans are great and everything, but like, I don't know. Aristotle had some really good points. Yeah. Just go a couple good points. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Okay. I think, I, I guess, well, should we just keep going on about Vulcans and breaking the ice? 
Yeah, let's just break the let's ice just, on this one. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Vulcan ice. Um, I was so glad this wasn't a weird, like, like growing pains episode. Just saying that, sorry. What do just you mean, like, growing pains? Um, I don't know, just with the title, I thought they were gonna go with a whole, like, icebreaker episode, essentially, where it's, like, T'Pol being awkward and trying to, like, fit in with the crew, and I was like, what, I remember reading this title when we were first going around, I was like, oh no, like, <laughs> are we gonna do some, like, campy, like, montage T'Pol is learning to love the humans episode, but not at all, we got a really fresh Vulcan take. <laughs> fresh Vulcan take from a stale Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's of course this um this dude who is which shortly i'll have his name um he is captain of the Sorak class ship which i i don't know i wrote that down i thought that was interesting that that's it's amazing. like a Sorak class ship like yeah. that that's a god tier ship class yeah. you know like is that the galaxy class equivalent you it's know? gotta be yeah Ciroc class is like, <laughs> yeah. bro. Like, like oh my god you're doing great yeah. if you're captain yes. of Ciroc class mm-hmm. um I just thought yeah this whole interaction and Archer so for context for I mentioned this a little bit earlier like an hour ago Ciroc himself is here at dinner um <laughs> <laughs> no but this this Vulcan captain is at dinner and Archer invited him over because he was trying to break the ice and his secret agenda also was to figure out why the Vulcans were there because there's a comet that's flying by the crew of the Enterprise is very hyped to analyze this comet and like get some minerals from it and we see this harrowing journey of Mayweather and Malcolm that I skipped through um what oh, it was so cute when they made the snowman it is cute I know and Mayweather's so hyped about he's so pumped about the snow and then he's like I never want to see snow again um but so the Vulcans are really curious I guess um that's what they say like like why are you so fascinated by this comet and he treats them almost like they're a science experiment you know he's like you all are sus I need to investigate yeah or like oh I'm gonna take notes on human behavior like they're Mm. like they're monkeys you know yeah I hadn't thought of that but I mean that's it's offensive in my opinion to Mm -hmm. be like oh we're just like observing you so like even though it's a lie um it's well because it is it is I, so okay, Rihanna. I don't think we actually get an answer in this episode, do we? About why they're following them? They just do, bro. Yeah, they, they just, just do. Yeah, they're always they're lurking. Tabs. Archer says something similar to that, where like wherever there's a Vulcan, or like when I turn the the corner, I'm always gonna see a Vulcan there. I'm gonna see mm-hmm. a Vulcan ship in every quadrant. Like that's how he's starting to feel. Mm-hmm. I think personally um, that we don't get a firm answer on this, but I mean, we just had the Andorian incident where the Enterprise helped uncover this huge. Uh, like thing that the Vulcans were doing against the Andorians mm-hmm. and they're pissed because they Archer upset the peace in the quadrant um, and Archer's like uh, no like I just uncovered like what's yeah, actually going on peace yeah yeah like peace. you were just lying to them like you were mm-hmm. violating the treaty yeah so I think that they're just like really annoyed and want to make sure that he doesn't cause any other type of disruptions like this yeah, but you, like you said, they won't even exchange pleasant niceties, won't have dinner. <laughs> well, and yeah, Trip keeps saying, I want to look in the engines, and he's like, classified. <laughs> yeah, like what? Um, and meanwhile, we have this T'Pol subplot with Trip, who T'Pol has been contacting the Vulcan ship for an encoded message that she needs. And this immediately makes archer and trip distrust her and say 
she must be talking to them. She must be reporting on us. She's a spy. She's a spy. Turns out, it's a personal letter. And they low-key, like, victim blame her. They're like, well, if you hadn't encoded your message, then, like, why'd you make it look so damn suspicious? I think is what Tripp says. And it's like, sorry that I wanted a private message to stay private. (laughs) You know, like, why didn't you just trust me instead? Or come out and ask me about it, and I could have said, it's a personal letter. Please don't read it. (laughs) Don't break into my file. Decrypt it and read it. (laughs) Exactly, Rihanna. This was, like, disturbing to me because a lot of times Star Trek will, like, open these doors and then later the character learns better and, like, is able to grow from it. But Archer specifically, I think sees nothing wrong with ordering Trip and Hoshi to encrypt the letter. He doesn't even think to ask. Like, it does not even cross his mind. And he says, okay, decrypt it. Like, if basically saying, like, it's free uh, it's free to encrypt because uh, as if, like, T'Pol's not being honest with him. Like, he takes it yeah. as a personal slight. I'm not, instead I'm, of asking her. Yeah, yeah, instead of literally asking her. And I, I just think that's crazy because never again is it brought up that Archer was even the one to order this to happen. And Trip takes all the guilt for himself. And, and Archer mm-hmm. encourages Trip to take the guilt. Like, he doesn't even say once that he that it was an order he never reminds him of that and that's insane to me like archer just he doesn't mind like he's like yeah you do the dirty work and i don't have to apologize to its pull bro i'm speechless this is so true i couldn't believe it i couldn't believe it i was waiting because you know this is star trek like oh they're Mm -hmm. gonna like address archer being sus (laughs) no he's He's going to fess up any minute. No. Yeah, you're right. It's the fact that he thinks it's okay is what makes us all feel like, are we supposed to think that's okay? Like, are we all glossing over this? Yeah, Um, like, that's racist. You're doing it because you assume that because she's Vulcan, she's, like, helping them to spy. But imagine if, uh, like, Mayweather had got a coded transmission from the Vulcan ship you would easily ask him, like, hey, hey Mayweather, what's, what's that about? Because he suspects something of the Vulcans. He's like, oh, it's I'm totally on Mayweather's side because it's, you know. Totally. I trust him. Maybe, and I think this is probably one of Archer's biggest fears, is that T'Pol's going to betray him. Yeah. And so maybe it's always sitting in the, the forefront of his mind. But either way, if it is or not, that's still not an excuse to do it. And I, it just feels awful, too, that he roped Hoshi into it. Thank God it was a language that could just be translated in the in the database. Yep. Instead of her doing it by hand. Because, like, if it were someone else who spoke a different language, like, I don't know, Phlox, if they have Denobulin language in there or whatever. But, like, it's still just, like, what if she had to go further? What if she, two people had to read it? Or she would read it and be like, hey, guys, this is extremely personal. Yeah, Hoshi would put a stop to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, oof. I feel like also did Trip read the entire letter? Yeah, he my read, dude. I think he my did. guy. <laughs> like, was he looking for spy clues? Well, he like, probably was. He probably was. And then he was like, "Oh yeah. my god, it's a personal letter," and he yeah. feels so bad. And this is, you mm-hmm. know, I think a really, uh, yeah. I I don't want to go is, at length, but I just love Trip. Like that, he is being a gentleman about this. And this is a great start to their like friendship, you know, and then becoming less hostile to each other or trip becoming less hostile to, uh, to pull and to pull just like sat, you know, like just like sitting there quietly <laughs> <laughs> um, 
raising an eyebrow uh, is that the fact that, you know, then they have that heart to heart because frankly, she needs someone to talk to and he's already read the letter. So it helps to open that door. Even if it was the violation of her trust, it ends up helping her to open up a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to then jump to the end of the episode because um, they really need to get, uh, uh, they really need to help Mayweather and Malcolm from this comet because their like grappling hook isn't able to capture the shuttle and the Vulcan dude like overcomes. He's like, hey, I we have a tractor beam. You know, we can totally help if you want fully expecting Archer to say no because of his human ego. And Archer does say no once. And then when it's really dire, he wants to say no. They don't ask again, but T'Pol brings it up like, hey, you really should let the Vulcans help because like our men are gonna die out there. And yeah, she's and able, they're offering. yeah, they're offering and she's so easily able to control him, I think, yeah, or like manipulate him into saying yes. And it reminded me of how she was dealing with the Klingons and how she deals with these other species is she says, he expects you to say no, because humans have an ego. So if you say yes, you are proving him wrong. You exactly. know, and, and Arch is like, truth. oh, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that she's so, so great at that. I mean, I know no one gets paid in this in this uh, era, but like she is working overtime, you know, yeah. to like make all of this happen. She's used to quiet quitting. Like this is a huge change for her. <laughs> yeah, she's just gonna leave. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is cool to see her character growth, though. Like all jokes aside, I feel like this is. An, a yet yet again another foot that she like she's stepping deeper into the human world nope, that's weird. <laughs> imagining her just like just stepping into mud <laughs> like yeah like what no um yeah it's just exciting cool to see her growth in this yeah and i was gonna say yeah. also she does choose to not leave this is one of her first offers to leave enterprise <laughs> yeah. um i think one of like five there's so many yes it's um, insane yeah and uh she is supposed to be married and she postponed her wedding date and her in-laws are saying nope you need to come right now or the engagement is broken off and she says no and she's this whole discussion with trip about like rihanna i don't want to get you started but um uh, this whole discussion about how important um loyalty not loyalty how how loyal the vulcans are to tradition and that is like mm -hmm. above them and so it's a great and trip basically says to her you need to do what you want to do that's the only advice i can give and yes. so at the very end as part of to pull speech for uh archer to use the vulcans for help she says you're human you're free to choose and i think that reflects a little bit of jealousy and also like inspiration on her part. She's like, you're right. You have, you can choose and I can choose too. So I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm not going to leave Enterprise. That is such a badass moment too. And it allows her to break a bit from, or just to, just to step into the understanding that like Vulcan culture and tradition can be really constricting and can tie you down in ways that she doesn't want to be tied down and we're gonna see this later that you literally took Costa's family like rejecting his, his her mom for her to finally get married essentially yeah crazy Just insane insane again toxic Vulcan culture um but again she's navigating it so well like such a badass and yeah I I'm so glad you brought this this up Ashlyn yeah um I think we should go on to sleeping dogs 
Yes, please. I love this episode. Yeah, this is great. This is another where uh, there's a away team stranded and then... <laughs> yes. A classic. <laughs> yeah, like a very normal Star Trek episode. Um, there is a ship in a gas giant that Enterprise finds, and Hoshi, T'Pol, and Malcolm go down on the ship because they are some life signs, so they're trying to see, like, can they help them? Um, and also, like, what's going on? They, but they discover that it's a Klingon ship, so that scares everybody. And yeah. um, T'Pol, like we were talking about earlier, is saying, just leave him to die. Let's not save him. Let's go. Like, this is actually a really bad situation. And um, I wanted to say right away, I feel like Malcolm and Hoshi are arguing with her about what to do in this situation. And Hoshi, or and T'Pol has to say over and over and over again, they are Klingons. They want to go to Stovacor. And so they're like, they would rather die than accept our help anyway. So there's no point in trying. And so I think in the situation, like she is their commanding officer and they, you know, they can offer their opinions, but like once, and I feel like they just kept going and like, you know, trying to convince her. Yeah. Like she doesn't know better than them. <laughs> like she doesn't understand Klingons and has and met them more than twice. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if it's the right decision. It's, it's certainly not the human decision, but she, it, it is her decision, and that they should have followed the rules. Yeah, and you're right. This is this era is so crazy for Chain of Command because it's not as solidified as we see in TNG, particularly. Exactly. Know? Well, and then also this leads to them like getting stranded on the ship because they're losing valuable time mm -hmm. because they don't realize that the ship is like falling more and more into disrepair. Um, and Hoshi is the only one who can read the controls and it just takes Malcolm forever because Hoshi has to translate everything before he can do a fix. Yeah. So like they're wasting so much time by arguing with her. So I just, mm -hmm. I, I thought that was a good way to like start this episode out. Totally. Yeah. And so I love that. I think this is, you know, it's a tricky team because like you said, Everyone is is struggling with different things in this episode. Reed is just struggling to read the language and then, you know, keep his emotions in check. <laughs> He's <laughs> freaking out. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Hoshi has a lot of uh, a lot of anxiety about this whole situation, and Tapol is trying is the one person trying to keep them all together. <laughs> this is Tapol's development. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I just love though that like she's always sort of the cornerstone in any sort of like three person stuck away missions or like trapped, trapped on a planet or trapped on a ship away missions. Um, she's always going to get you out of there and help you. And she is such a great help to Hoshi in the scene where Hoshi's pretty much like having a panic attack. Like she's really so stressed and... Um, it's just like so overwhelming this whole situation and uh, this is actually the clip that Pecan Pie posting posted right when we were starting to look through to pull episodes and what prompted me to be like oh my god they picked out this beautiful clip because it's essentially to pull talking her down and you know guiding her breathing and calming exercises and essentially saying your anxiety is understandable um, and she, like, really relates to her in this beautiful, emotional way that I wouldn't expect from her. It's a display that, like, we haven't seen her do yet. And particularly to Hoshi, because they had sort of a weird beginning. With... Yes. <laughs> and and they just don't interact a lot. And when they do, T'Pol is always saying, like, you can do better. 
we, I know you have great potential and Hoshi's just like, that's so much pressure, you know, and they like aren't a very good, they don't communicate well together. And so this scene that Pecan Pie posting uh, shared really reminded me of T'Pol's growth and T'Pol's development. Yes, absolutely, Rihanna. Thank you. I totally agree. I think you texted me like, wow, maybe I ship Hoshi and T'Pol. Yeah, just for one scene. That was was the scene. I think it's a really beautiful demonstration of like the power of um, like feminine friendship too. Yeah. Because, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, whoops, some of this is the feminism series. Sorry. (laughs) But we, I mean, it goes hand in hand with everything T'Pol is experiencing. But I thought also T'Pol is more willing to help her because Hoshi admits that sometimes I actually get really jealous of you Vulcans and like T'Pol takes it as a compliment, as an, as a compliment, you know, she's like, Oh, thanks. Like, yeah, I'm actually really good at like suppressing my emotions when I need (laughs) to, like, let me give you a tip. Um, (laughs) so I think like Hoshi opening that up really set a great, um, like precedent. And also, I mean, to be fair, like, T'Pol genuinely cares about her even if she she will like she'll never say that but she wants to get everyone back alive you know and I feel yes. like if it was another Vulcan from the high command he'd be like all right let's go like yeah like, I don't stop care yeah, yeah exactly yes Ashlyn thank you for saying that and I feel like also T'Pol is, is such a great guide for the crew but she does it in these subtle ways wherein we see Riker, like, you know, hand on your shoulder guiding you through, you know, or um, Kira, who's just, like, backing you up or whatever. We have Tapol who does it in these subtle ways, and in, and like I was saying earlier, really thriving in these one-on-one um, uh, not conversations, but, like, scenarios. these one-on-one. Yeah. yeah, like, these these one-on-one scenarios with a certain character really shows her depth and shows that she's not just, like, the shallow Vulcan they all think she is of just like oh I I think I'm better than you and above emotion and stuff she's actually showing so much more of herself allowing herself to and I think that that is really beautiful and she is able to guide her through these dark waters and she does that for so many people in the crew in these little ways yeah absolutely Rihanna thank you I also think that this episode is a great demonstration of how she's practicing at getting along with the crew better because I really noticed that she did a lot of like kind of negative she gave a lot of negative answers to the things that they were suggesting mm-hmm. um like Malcolm would say oh let's try to do that and she's like that's not going to work because of these three reasons and then Hoshi <laughs> says something else and she's like that's not going to work because of these other four reasons mm-hmm. and then she says this is what we're doing instead and they're like okay sure but I I feel like there's a like a better way to listen to suggestions like that or to like even maintain the appearance like the appearance of considering their suggestion which is something that officers have to do like you get really thrown off if you offer um, a suggestion to your superior and they act like they don't even hear it you know Um, like yeah she's doing it really um, like logically but I, I just feel like she gets better later at accepting she gets better later at accepting these uh suggestions fire point that's so true and i do love though that there's one point where reed is just like not listening at all to hoshi and and to pull is the one to back up her idea and say like 
right away. Like this is this is the solution. Listen well, to her Hoshi and saves it. them. Yeah, Hoshi yeah. is the one who saves them all because Chipotle mm-hmm. is listening to her. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like that. So that's cool because you're right. Already by then she's learning. Okay, just like we just talked about this in our Patreon episode of lower decks talking about like actually listen to the other people in your group and get all ideas because someone might have a really good one in who cares if they're like lower ranking than you or just like not seen as a leader exactly (laughs) listen to them exactly well and this situation really makes them super close and i really feel like they're a great team by the end because they've like come into like uh they're all on the same page finally at the end and the scene where they're in the decom or uh, the uh like the chamber what are, what are they what is that thing oh called my God. the wipe down area <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the scene where they're in the decontamination chamber together and a flock says okay it's time to get out like you're done there's no nothing that could possibly harm you and Hoshi and Malcolm don't want to get out. And so they give her, like, puppy dog eyes. It's like, can yeah. you please tell him for us? Like, it's not time. And then... She's um, like, I have a headache still. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love that because she would not have done that before. She would have been like, that's so illogical. <laughs> like, yes. it's time to get out. But she's, like, advocating for them in this in this way, like she does for Archer. Um, yes, that's her acts of service. Yeah, acts right of service. There, yeah. yeah, damn. Yeah, nice, Rihanna. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that I was a little like laughing at at the end is um, Hoshi. Like after Tapol sits back down, Hoshi's like, "Do you smell that?" And I'm dead ass. Like, did Tapol fart? <laughs> <laughs> Ashlyn's like, who did it? <laughs> well, no, literally. And then if you read it from that way, it's so funny because then Tapol's like, "I don't smell anything," and then Hoshi's like, "Exactly." And so I'm like, what? Like, okay, is that a fart? Or was she no. being racist and saying that it wasn't a smelly Klingon ship anymore? No, what? No, no, no. You're thinking too deep into this. She's saying, we finally don't smell to you, to Paul. Oh. You don't smell anything. Like, she's so used to just blocking it out now. Oh. Um, or she has that, like, numbing agent. Poor yeah. thing. <laughs> but, like, they literally are so clean because they're deep. They're decontaminated entirely. So it's like the cleanest they ever feel. You know, and that's why they love it so much. Honestly, same. I would love to like not feel grimy or oily or anything. Like, oh, wow. Wow, that would be amazing. Yeah, I get it, honestly. Wow, well, that's even, that's the best read of all, Rihanna. Thank you. I'm pretty sure that's the, not, not like it has to be correct, but like I think that's what they intended. All right. So I guess we're going back to Pajem now with the shadows of Pajem. Yeah, um, this one's frustrating because Tapol is blamed for the destruction of the, um, is blamed for the destruction of the monastery. Of the monastery, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, which is entirely ridiculous, and she's literally just the scapegoat for the situation, and it really makes me angry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and she says that their quote unquote reasoning is because Pachem has been destroyed. There's nothing she could do to stop it. So therefore she, in there, she says, quote, because in their eyes I've failed to do so. That's insane. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. scapegoat. We're all pissed. Archer's pissed. Um, but they're sending her away. Like literally she this is, number is two. taken off Enterprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of just a pull, stay or go. Should she stay or should she go? I feel like Archer could actually abdicate for her and it would make a difference. But Mm -hmm. he doesn't really try, like, to the Vulcans. And I feel like, and you know, because he he still has this kind of, like, ego thing where he doesn't want to, like, 
rock the boat with them. And I just think it's kind of a shame. Um, yeah, where's our good archer speech defending to pull? Yeah, exactly. I think his way of showing her that he cares about her is that he takes her on one last mission to go meet this planet's ambassador. They are captured. <laughs> um, right away. Yeah, right away they're captured. And they're tied together on the this, like on these chairs and there's an awkward when they're trying to untie each other like she falls on her boobs i'm just like Uh, can we stop and i think this is you know trying to insinuate this like sexual tension between them and can i just say like in general i know like we have twilight but in general i'm just glad we didn't go with this like i don't ship them i am happy to have this platonic friendship and archer needs to kind of like get over it Truly. And I think he does by, like, season two or three. Easily. I mean, things become way complicated later. He doesn't have time for that. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. And, I mean, this is still, you know, it's good they work together. So they're learning to work to communicate more and they're bonding while they're bound. It's just crazy. Um, And once they go through this experience together to pull stays because they... Or because, like, she feels like she belongs. And how does that end? Like, how does she not get to be transferred? Um, well, because it all comes to a head. I mean, there's this whole, like, secret mission going on where, um, because there, there's, like, a civil war, but the government won't acknowledge it that's oh, happening yeah. on this planet. And so um, that's who they're captured by. And... The Vulcans, or no, the Andorians, because Sharan is there, so the Andorians and the humans team up together, um, and the Vulcans are there too. And so it's like, it's this whole big clash that happens with the like the Civil War group, um, mm-hmm. and they all work together. They are able to save Archer and T'Pol, um, but then one of the like extremists has a gun and is going to shoot at the Vulcan, but T'Pol jumps in front or and like pushes him out of the way, and she's really badly injured. Like Flock says at the at the, at the end of the episode, he doesn't know if she's even going to survive. Ooh, so like yeah. seriously injured, and that's finally when Archer is advocating for and saying like, "Hey, um, that's pretty cool. She like jumped in front of a bullet for you. So why are you using her as a scapegoat?" Love that. Use. <laughs> Use her literal acts of uh, service as an example for her to stay. That's yeah. Great. Well, and this is one of the, like, weird... This is one of the weird defenses that he does of to pull. Um, mm-hmm. Because he says, I want to shove her out of an airlock. Oh, God. But uh, she sometimes can be really great. And sometimes. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's the exact quote, but, like, it... It, it's weird. Like, it, again, he's mentioning the casual violence of, like, when I first met her, I wanted to strangle her, but now, like, she's doing great on the ship, you know? Um, yeah. So it's not really a defense. It's kind of, like, she's important, you know? And I think, again, because he's too... He's got the weird ego. Ugh. He's got the ego still. He's got to get over his pride, like she says. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I do love before we... If you're ready to move on. Yeah. Um, just one last thing. Phlox talks about, before they even go on this mission... Flock speaks with her about a going away party that they're throwing her and she doesn't know about it so I love that he sort of gives her a warning because this is sort of two the only two like non-humans on the ship sort of understanding that like humans like weird surprises and, <laughs> yeah and like maybe we don't love that or I know you wouldn't love that and so I love that he gives her that heads up that is just like your doctor and your friend looking out for you because other people don't understand your culture or don't like think about it, you know, and he did. And I just love that. I love Flocks. Yeah. That is a great moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so in now detained, I'm getting worried, Rihanna, because last week we said that Chakotay was Starfleet's most taken, but maybe <laughs> it's Archer because back-to-back be. episodes he's taken again. In just these ones we watched, I think he was taken like four or three times. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it like half really the episodes, insane. yeah, and right. that that's not all. Like there's more for sure. Oh yeah, it's always. They're always looking for Archer. Every single person they meet wants to capture Archer and either destroy Enterprise or just, like, warp away. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and this time he's detained, because that's the episode, he's detained with Mayweather because they accidentally entered this the space that's forbidden. Yeah. Um, and basically there's, like, a low-key Suluban concentration camp, um, yeah. like, internment camp thing going on here because... The Suliban have become the enemy, and so this organization is basically capturing them, like any Suliban, even if they're like civilians or kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're just because they are, they're being captured here. And this is a huge, you know, Archer Archer brings up the Japanese internment camps that America had in World War II, and mm-hmm. I think it's great. It definitely felt like kind of a nail on the head type of episode. Um, totally. But it also shows. Wow, they're so loud, the cicadas. They always are at this time of night. I feel like I'm outside, like this is our summer series. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, it's interesting because T'Pol says, at at some point they're they're finally able to make contact with each other, Archer and T'Pol and Mm -hmm. and Enterprise, because they beam down a communicator. And um, Archer says that he's changing his mind. He no longer wants to avoid interfering in cultures because now he's got to save everyone. Yeah. She knows about his white savior complex. <laughs> she yeah. She understands yeah. what's going on here. Um, and I think that this is interesting, too, because I have a fascinating conversation in the beginning to Paul and Trip do once they learn that Archer has been taken. Archer and Ma- Ar- Mark- Archer and Mayweather have been taken uh, and that they have to wait three days for their trial, which I think is a very short time, very short turnaround for a trial. Um, yeah, compared so to fast. our justice system, that it was really funny that Archer and everyone reacted like three days, you know. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, nice, <laughs> nice turnaround. Um, I'm thinking about O'Brien waiting like a, a month before getting that trial of a thing that he wasn't even guilty of. Like seriously, yeah. And so to pull reminds Trip that they have to learn alien justice systems before they just like interfere and break him out, or she first. She first wants to go through the proper channels, like usual. Uh, she wants to make conversations and understand the culture and understand the tri- the justice system. And it's true. Like, I think that this is something that Star Trek needs to talk about more is, like, does Starfleet uh, always just sort of interfere with justice systems if they think they're unjust based on their moral code? You know, it's just so fascinating. And I love that T'Pol is this counter- counterbalance to Starfleet's, like, overly optimistic and, like, everyone should be free and it's just and everything. And it's like, no, you can understand that just systems are corrupt and, uh, but we still have to follow them through. So the worst doesn't happen to our, to their, their prisoners, you know? Exactly. And she's still thinking about, like, the big picture, which is you want to make, you want to, like, keep relations with everybody good and mm-hmm. um, even though these people are literally, like, capturing Suleiman, it's really sketchy. Awful. But, yeah, so I am proud of T'Pol that she decides to, like, help Archer. She doesn't mutiny mm-hmm. on him. 
Um, this is not a mutiny bull offense. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I think it's, I, I think it's interesting to show like how extreme Archer's willing to go into polls like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, they go so extreme that to pull like stalls for them, uh, offering like come to dinner, I think is when, is that when she said? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. And really talking up this guy, uh, who is like a, uh, the head of of the internment camp or whatever. Yeah, because she asked him, like, oh, what type of meat do you like? My chef, like, yeah. chef is making something just for you. Yeah, and she said, and so they were scrambling the comms to send the Sulaban, you know, to their ships. And, I, yeah, I just love that. That's how far she'll go. And I think, too, it helps that Trip will sometimes push to pull into taking action. So I think that they're a good team in that way, that, like, he understands that she's more hesitant to be violent you know that's not the choice she wants to make or even to like rock the boat to cha- you know mess with these justice systems and like you said keep the peace that sometimes she needs that push to understand we can keep the peace as much as possible but when someone's interning innocent people like something needs to we need to take action it's not good yeah yeah. Um, I thought one, yeah once again she's showing off her diplomacy skills here when she's kind of like sucking up to this guy Mm-hmm. Um, totally. I also loved when she like she's like I'm gonna send you the Federation charter and basically yeah. she's like sending her email and like adding all these attachments. She's like yes. you're receiving all these documents you can peruse at your leisure. Yes, yes, I love that. Oh, it's just it's so clever and I love that, that like when Topol is really great when Archer is gone. She's very assertive, ready to fight if she needs to, and clever. You know how easy to get out of situations. By talking your way through, so yeah. Um, all right, I think we should have a shockwave <laughs> hit <Yes>. us. <laughs> Let me turn on the light. Oh, this is a crazy episode, uh, end of season one, where the Enterprise thinks that they are at fault because they were in a shuttle going down to visit these human colonists and not, not human. human. Um, on shuttle going out to visit these colonists and like interact with them, and there's like thirty six hundred of them or something. But basically, like, something alights in the atmosphere, and all of them die. And mm-hmm. everyone's just shocked and can't believe it and blaming themselves. Later, this is a two-parter, we learned that it's not the Enterprise that did this. It was actually um, a cloaked Suliban vessel. Um, and yeah, and Archer here... learns that from Daniels. You know, like, the whole shebang we get yeah, in this episode. Yeah, the whole yeah. thing. I think the most important part to talk about, though, instead of the entire arc, is just the beginning when Ho- when Topol is trying to interact with Archer, but Archer is having so much guilt that he is not functioning as a captain and he's not like doing his duties as Topol thinks they should be done. And she brings this up to Phlox and yeah. she says, what is going on with Archer? He's like being so weird right now about this and he should just get over it because it was an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just love this. Again, we're seeing her reach out to someone who can really understand a human perspective, but is not like a defensive human, you know, who would just judge her. And so Phlox is really great here to sort of un- like unpack what grief does to people and what guilt does to people, to humans especially. And I really love that because it also shows how co- concerned Topol is for Archer for her, of course, like his like duties ability, but also just for him as a person and how he's holding up, and it's a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. She listens to what Flox has to say, and so then when she's interacting with Archer later, 
she is trying to get him interested in life again and mm -hmm. like into the situation again uh, by pointing out like hey like some of these things are like in our in our um like investigation are popping up and they're kind of interesting and you should take a look like check back in buddy um mm -hmm. at the end of um the convert oh yeah yeah so she she's basically saying to him like if like I'm willing to go to bat for him if you are ready or to go to I'm ready to go to bat for you if you're ready to go to bat for yourself and yes. I think it's a great way of inspiring him and saying I'm on your team remember you are not in this alone like no matter how you feel like you're dealing with this and then that's when Archer says I feel like that's the first time a Vulcan tried to cheer up a human and yeah. <laughs> I think he's trying to be charming, but to me, again, I just feel like, why does it always have to go back to race with him? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's always... It just be, thank you, friend, for giving me his pep talk. Yeah, and, I, like, who's he trying to please? It's only them in the room, you know? Literally, yeah. Yeah, and this is great, because then they have a pretty... The famous Thripple has this really kick-ass time in the Cloak ship, the Cloak Sulevon ship. Uh, they're able to retrieve the data chip as evidence to prove their innocence of the accident, and uh, all throughout this, Topol is stating just over and over again that the Vulcan Science Directorate has concluded that time travel is impossible. Um, yeah, this happening in front of her. She's very scully in the X-Files. Yes, like, yes, very no, much. Yeah, not, not possible. Um, and then to Archer is just gone. He's taken by Daniels. He left the suit, or he left, he disappeared in the transporter, or he disappeared in the turbo lift. And Topol is left in charge while the Sulaban take over the ship, are searching every quarters, and they actually, like, take her and drug her and ask her questions and everything. She's going through so much, and yet she's still able to take back control of the ship. They have an amazingly clever plan that involves poor Hoshi having to crawl. ignite her claustrophobia. <laughs> yep. I literally couldn't watch this scene. It always makes my skin crawl. Like, they do it so well. Um, but yeah, so... I'm just like have to again sing to Paul's praises of dealing with these really tense situations well while still getting some flack from other crew members at first you know because Trip was really adamant about don't let them come on this ship and look for Archer like they could just board and take over and she's like they're targeting our warp core like all of these ships are mm -hmm. we will die if they don't and so she makes these calculated risks and it pays off because of everyone's work you know every single person has a role has a part to play including archer and his floating head <laughs> exactly well and like they are listening to her because they trust her and they like i i just love that she's able to uh you like utilize the crew in this way even when she's captured and separated from all of them yeah. um i think part of that is like trip too you know he's mm -hmm. trying to contact everyone and get everyone together and he's doing a great job as kind of being her first officer in yes. this situation it's so great. I just, I really love the way they all work together. And then we get another great moment at the end here where T'Pol stands up for Enterprise yet again uh, and reminding the Vulcans about the listening post, reminding them that learning, that quote, learning from one's mistakes is hardly exclusive to humans. Yes. Which really puts them in their place and... Um, Archer says that she, quote, put it over the top. Like, she was probably the reason that they were able to continue their mission and not be, you know, shut down for another two decades. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that finally he's giving her the credit she deserves is what it feels like. 
finally she I think also the like seeing her go to bat for them really moved him you know he's like dang like that's awesome and I guess the admiral guy like called him in the middle of the night and was like hey like that you're back on we're doing the mission so exciting um they really owe her so cool I love this episode great two-parter and now, shall we talk about T'Pol's severing from the High Command? Yes, yes, yes. This epic episode, The Expanse. Yeah, this is a great one. This is very sad because it opens with our 9-11 metaphor. Um, yes. The, oh, God. <laughs> yikes. Um, yeah. The Zindi have attacked Earth from Florida to Venezuela was attacked and especially Trip is going through it, it's just a really hard time for everyone because it's a kind of a collective mourning situation that's going on. The Enterprise is recalled, and um, it, it takes them a while to get home. So they're mm-hmm. they're back on Earth, still in the aftermath, but it's not quite as immediate as they had probably wanted to be there for. Yeah, I'm sorry that this guy upstairs is really jamming He's while you're jamming. talking about the death of, like, <laughs> six million or something. But yeah, so to pull has a chat with Suval, Mm -hmm. and he is, you know, sort of just the head of the high command, a guy who's just really against the humans, you know, stretching their wings and exploring space and everything, and against T'Pol's, you know, continued, like, quote-unquote, like, disobeying the high command over and over again, and backing the Enterprise, and this most recent, you know, devastation has led to Archer wanting to go to the Expanse and find out who's building this weapon and stop it, you know, before Earth is destroyed. And T'Pol wants to go with them because, you know, she's she's been with this crew for, what, nine months at this point? More? Yeah, a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and so she also feels like she even chats with the Vulcan, with Suval, and says, like, listen, you put me on this mission to be, like, a logical counterpoint to these humans let me do this again. Like, let me continue this mission. And uh, he's like, no, no, you've spent too much time around humans. You need to return to Vulcan. You need to, like, essentially, like, get yourself in order is how he's sort of treating her. And she realizes that she doesn't want to return to Vulcan. And I love that he sort of is one of the reasons why she Mm -hmm. decides to resign from the Vulcan High Command. Yeah, I mean, he's being incredibly controlling Mm-hmm. And, like, just, he's yeah, saying, it's almost like he's her parent, you know? He's like, you've been away for too long. You're acting illogically because of these humans. I, it's gross. I hate that scene. I, and, again, Archer, with his, like, violent metaphors, he's talking to Trip or someone because they're asking, like, oh, it's sad. They're talking about T'Pol saying, it's sad she's going to leave. Have you signed a new science officer? And Archer says, wow, it's crazy because, like, when they first assigned her to me, I felt like strangling Saval. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> like, he loves strangling. That's, like, <laughs> his favorite go-to saying. Yeah, he, I mean, that's really angry, you know? Like, dang. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then Trip says, she does kind of grow on you. And so, again, like, they're not being very complimentary. She flowers? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. It's just, soft. it's strange. Like, neither of them want to, like, openly admit, like, how much they really appreciate her. And, like, they're they can't, such, like, they're such, they, they can't have a genuine, like, feeling or talk about, like, their real emotions together. 
Why are they such like twenty second century guys? Like he's a twenty second century man. Yeah, yeah. Why you gotta like talk so toxic masculinity here, guys? Yeah. Just just say that you like her. She's cool. <laughs> exactly. I'm just yeah. so happy that she goes her own way because this is like the one first of many breaks that she's gonna have with the Vulcans, and it really needs to be done. It's so freeing for her, I think, and this way that she gets to, even though the Vulcans see it as rebelling, she sees it as, like, freedom. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Well, I think it's time to go to Twilight, our uh, Dura sisters' most talked about episode for Enterprise. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Absolutely. This, of course, like, we just have to mention not only because of how uh, T'Pol does take over briefly on the Enterprise, like, she does fulfill her role as first officer when Archer loses his memory, but also because they just develop a really important relationship in this episode. So, um, Rihanna... For the fourth time, do you want to talk about, um, just briefly, do you want to lead the way on Twilight? Yeah, so this episode essentially entails uh, the journey of a, of a parasite, of a time-traveling parasite um, that can, that got into Archer's, like, uh, some part of his brain that controls his memories and he cannot form new memories. This happened during a fight and uh to pull like a, a wave hit them yeah yeah in the expanse as usual mm-hmm. expanse fun times and in turn this causes yeah like i said archer cannot create new memories and we are introduced essentially to this parallel world this like what if episode and this it turns out that because archer is the linchpin and all of this and saving humanity humanity is almost completely wiped out by the zindi they fight a really brave battle but like aren't able to stop them from using the weapon it ends up humans survived but they are now in colonies in city alpha five <laughs> exactly <laughs> the city alpha system yes. at least and um to pole is pretty much now archer's like full-time caregiver she is making sure that like every day she tells him the story of the entirety of this tragedy and every day she stands by him and helps him, you know, sort of with his emotional upheaval that happens about learning about all of this and just physically as well. So it's, it's pretty cr- incredible. This person behind you, like, it is so hyped about <laughs> to pull and like, to pull yeah. is so awesome. Yeah, I play really loud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I, this is just out, like, outstanding, like, she has, like, totally destroyed the idea of quiet quitting, and she has embraced (laughs) the full-time, never-stop-working mindset that boomers and corporations love of their employees. She -hmm. says, I will take care of Archer for the rest of his life, and I will tell him the same story every day, and it is my responsibility to take him and move him from place to place, and this is, like, she was in command of Enterprise, and she gives it up to stay with Archer yeah crazy like that's and i think also i mean we've talked about this extensively but like obviously she definitely felt indebted to him because he did save her life or and save her memory when Mm -hmm. the wave hit them both so like i understand why she feels that way but like even if i had that happened to me i would not feel the need to like be a caregiver (laughs) to this person now you know absolutely 
Yeah, that's not your obligation or assignment. It's something that she chooses readily and something that Phlox also devotes his life to. You know, we can't forget the, the role Phlox plays in this, even though it's our first officer episode. I think they both are acting very above and beyond their rank and their duties in Starfleet. They're acting for Archer, you know, and we see a lot of first officers do this for their captains, especially once they've created this really important bond. And I think that Archer and T'Pol do have this special bond that is so unlike any we've seen so far in, you know, in some ways it's toxic, in some ways it's really beautiful and it can be a, a mix of both. And I, yeah, I'm just like always impressed watching this episode, seeing the dedication that Phlox and Dipole have to Archer just as a person, as a human. Absolutely. Well, and this is in season three, so their relationship has developed quite substantially. And it definitely feels abrupt because we've been talking about so many season one episodes on this podcast. But we really do get to see like how close they become and how much they understand each other. And it's why they get along so well. Um, It's why at the end of the episode, once Archer is like all caught up on what's going on, he's actually able to help contribute along with Phlox Antipole about saving the whole universe. And I, yeah, their teamwork is unstoppable. It's amazing. Yeah. And I just want to say, as we close out this episode, like, I really, I understand we don't have any season four episodes in here, which is like so crazy um, to skip out on an entire season of Enterprise. But T'Pol's arc really changes in season four and it turns very personal and we've talked about it extensively. Please go listen to our feminism episode of Enterprise as well as uh, we talked about her a lot on love and affection with Trip as well. And we are not talking about these are the voyages. Nope. Um, (laughs) So d- don't add us again nope. every time I say this. <laughs> no, <laughs> skip. Yeah, so I do want to acknowledge that, like, T'Pol continues to be a, a kick-ass in all of these season four episodes, um, but her role as first officer, I think, kind of takes a back burner, or we just see more of the same incredibleness that she's been demonstrating throughout, you know. But then she's suffering with her trillium addiction and command decisions become a lot harder with things in the expanse and craziness going on especially when you're dealing with like your man and a cloned baby and terror and extremists and all that stuff so shout out to Depole always and forever I love her and I'm so glad that we get to talk about her role as quote-unquote first officer science officer sub-commander whatever you want to call her she is Tapol extraordinaire <laughs> yes thank you for that beautiful dedication Rihanna also yeah. thank you to Jolene Balak for being amazing in this role of T'Pol, it, the role of T'Pol, um, yes. it can't have been easy on that set <laughs> um, yes. or like in that encountering yeah. fans. So like, thank you for your dedication to T'Pol. She is amazing and she always holds up, you know, she's always like one of the best characters in Enterprise. Um, totally. Rihanna, I am shaken to the core because next week we are talking about Discovery, which I feel like it's been years since we've talked about Discovery. Um, yes. We're going to talk about Saru. We're going to talk about Michael. We're going to talk about um, Tilly. Tilly. Oh, my goodness. So this is a really exciting First Officer series where we actually have multiple First Officers because Discovery is just that type of show. Um, They're not going to give you one. They're going to give you three 
And we're going to talk about some other little exceptions because there's so much of a shakeup in Discovery. Yep, so much happens. Just to close us out, I do want to say that, like, I, again, every time we do an Enterprise series, I'm hearing Faith of the Heart way more than I normally do in my life. Yes. And I feel like it would be, like, it's kind of become my dream now that if I ever do karaoke and I see where my heart will take me, if I see it in that karaoke book, I'm going to do it and I'm going to attract yes. all the Star Trek fans. And it's probably just going to be one or two people but um, I uh, that kind of ga- kind of was a became a bucket list item of mine during this series. So um, yes, yeah, absolutely, Ashlyn. Literally a bucket list item I didn't even know I had. I was able to check off when I was at Mission Chicago. We were at a bar in the hotel, all singing "Faith of the Heart" with a bunch <laughs> of Star Trek fans. I saw Jarrah Hodge there. I saw so many strange new pod friends and. Oh my God. It was just amazing. So fun. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. I love to Um, well, Rihanna, thank you so much. I too have faith of the soul into pole. Yes. Thank you. Ashley. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Dura sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the sixth episode of our feminism series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss the first officers in star Trek discovery. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr and TikTok, and especially our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, a review of Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, and death fakeouts. If you haven't heard a particular series, please go back and listen to any of these fantastic episodes. Social media and marketing by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. Can you hear that dog barking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's what> I, <laughs> I was like, wow, like he going. I thought it was like a CD that was stuck. Was like, mm. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> oh, I see the dog. It's outside the window. He's outside. Oh, oh he's, he's really you? barking. Oh, no, he's just like barking. There, he's walking down Wrigley. the street. Oh my god, it's Wrigley. He's walking in. Barking. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, that's too much, but <laughs> that's, that's literally what he's been that's doing. Multitasking like, down the block. <laughs>